0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. If you would like to follow along in one of the Bibles, uh, hopefully somewhere close to you, it's page 1007. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, and encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Um, Please be seated. Uh, So just a couple of... Quick announcements. Uh, so, Meadowbrook 101, if you signed up for that, that is directly following this service in the senior kids' room. Um, and then, our final announcement uh, there's a new group starting uh, called Moms on a Mission. And this is going to be a place where moms of all ages and stages in their faith journey can come for intimate community, accountability, support, discipleship, and fun. Uh, they want to make sharing the light of the gospel with their families a passion and be moms on a mission together. They also are currently looking for volunteers. So if that interests you, please make sure to mention that as well. And if you have interests or questions, please see Morgan in the coffee shop directly following service. Today's missionary is Melissa Swalla with Inner Varsity at LCCC. Um, They have three prayer requests that they would like us to be lifting up for them throughout the week. Um, So could we please pray for the Bible studies that are gonna be starting up again this spring? Uh, Also pray for meaningful and life-changing discipleships to occur at InterVarsity at LCCC. And please pray over uh, their personal prayer meetings as well as their prayer walks. Uh, Please bow your head in prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just the ability to gather uh, as a church today. Uh, Please just open our hearts to the message today so that we can take it out into the world that desperately needs the news of Jesus, Lord. We especially pray over Melissa in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at LCCC, that their Bible studies will draw people closer to them, and that their prayer walks and all of the discipleship they're doing will be successful and bring students um, to the throne of Jesus. We lift this
1: up in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, Good morning. How many of you got a little card on your way in? One of these laminated cards? How many of you got one? All right on your way out you're definitely going to get some, okay It's the verse that I was uh, that I had mentioned, been mentioning in Ephesians chapter three verses 20 through twenty one They're laminated and you can put it in your wallet, your purse, uh, carry it with you, memorize it, but that is for you. We need to uh, wrap up this sermon series, because next week we're starting Daniel on Valentine's Day. And just as a little, kind of a, you know, a little plug-in for that, I have gifts for Valentine's Day. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but I was laughing at myself as a result of ordering them. Now, not everyone will get it. It will be kind of like a randomly selected people will, will get them. But I have multiple gifts. It's epic. It's awesome. And you need to come next week. So don't go away. Tell your spouse I'm sorry. We're not going away for, th- for Valentine's Day because we've got to be at church to get prizes from Keith. Does that work? Anyway. Okay. Uh, that's happening. Daniel's happening. All right. So this is the last week in the sermon series on our mission statement You know that we exist to develop followers of Jesus who prayerfully engage their communities with the gospel. That's why we exist. That's that's what I hope will make us tick as a church next week. This doesn't affect this service because uh, we'll have an 11 o'clock service and then our only other service will be 9.30. So we'll have two worship services. We'll probably put a few more chairs in here. Uh, but, but that's happening next week as we un, you know, unpack Daniel for, for all of spring, really. But last week I talked about, I opened up my sermon with just sharing about some missionaries uh, who brought the gospel to the Wadani. I, you know, every once in a while, I, um, maybe sometimes more than every once in a while, I say something that's not entirely accurate, and I kick myself all week, and I just wanted to correct some things that I said uh, in, in the opening part of my sermon. I had pointed to one of the missionaries and said, that was Nate Saint. That was not Nate Saint. Uh, I believe that was Roger Udarian. Uh, this is actually Nate Saint, So if you were here last week, I talked about these missionaries who uh, found this little strip of sand to land the plane on. Nate was the pilot, and before they did that, they circled around this unreached tribe, the Wadani, who were in danger of causing their own tribe to become extinct. Nobody had really made any contact with them uh, in any meaningful way, and so they did that. They landed on the strip. Um, but before they did that they had a bucket and they would put gifts in the bucket and circle the plane around where the tribe was, lower the bucket down so that the bucket kind of was just stationary so they can look into the bucket, and they exchanged gifts. They made contact, and this is Nate Saint, um, hours, I believe, before he was speared to death uh, with one of uh, the men from the tribe. It was either a day before or hours, I don't know the exact time frame. And I mentioned that Elizabeth uh, Elliott, who is the wife of Jim Elliott, one of the other missionaries that was killed, that she went into that tribe at the time. Her daughter was only three years old when they when they made when she and not Nate's wife, but Nate's sister, Nate Saint's sister, Elizabeth, um, or not Elizabeth, uh, Rachel. Went, in, and met, uh, with the, went into the tribe and brought the gospel to them. So this is Elizabeth Elliot with her daughter. Uh, she had spent a couple years with the Wadani tribe, and then the other picture is Rachel at, a, at an older, uh, older age. She spent 30 years with the Wadani, and she died. She died there as a missionary. Um, and I, I, then I posted something on Facebook. I don't know how many of you saw the Facebook post that I posted? Well, wow, not many. OK. So I posted this picture. I told you there was a picture of the two two of the men who were responsible for murdering Nate Saint and the rest of the missionaries. They had had received the gospel from Rachel and Elizabeth. They became believers. Then a church was started, and they became elders, leaders in that church. These are two of the elders in that church baptizing uh, Steve and Steve's sister... In the river that Nate's, where they found Nate's body. If that's not a picture uh, and a testimony of the power of the gospel to transform lives, I don't know what is. Like, how do you explain that? How do you explain that a story is able to inf- just influence individuals in, in such a profound way that not only did it reverse? the trajectory that this tribe was on in extinguishing, you know, causing themselves to come, become extinct, it reversed that. It actually resulted in them loving each other and forgiving each other. But then you, you have two men who murdered these, these kids, their father. They done, his body was dumped in the river, and that same river, they're baptizing these children. Like, how do you explain that? And so... The way you explain it is that the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to transform lives. And I, I mentioned Acts chapter 2 last week. And I even read it for you in verses 42 and following. I said, why can't that happen today? Like I believe that what we read in Acts about the early church still, it still happens today and I believe it can happen in Cheyenne. And it's really not that long ago 19, in the 1950s that that this tribe was reached with the, with the gospel, and it transformed them. Um, and so I, I, you know, and then Steve, uh, Steve Saint actually wound up moving back to Ecuador to minister to that tribe, and he developed, uh, he was a pilot also, and he developed uh, a type of aircraft for, for members of the tribe to use to get from different, different places in Ecuador. And uh, in in designing this one particular aircraft, I believe it crashed, and Steve was paralyzed from the neck down. And I believe still, I don't know if he still suffers from complete paralysis, but but his life was completely changed as a result. He's a follower of Jesus, loves Jesus. Um, Minkai is one of the men kind of headed up the tribe, responsible for killing his father. Minkai became not only like a, like a father figure to Steve, but was known by Steve's kids as their grandfather. Pretty amazing stuff. I mean, Kai now is with Jesus. He, he died, I think, a few years ago or three years ago. Um, so what, what enabled Elizabeth and Rachel to do that? Well, they didn't march right into the tribe, into this area where the dangerous tribe was where the Wadani were. But Rachel met a woman by the name of Deuma who fled the tribe because her family was murdered in the tribe, fled the tribe and became friends with Elizabeth. Deuma heard the gospel, believed in Jesus. God used her as a bridge for Rachel and Elizabeth to be able to enter into the tribe with the gospel. Like this stuff... Happened. Like, God does some impossible things. That's why uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, I believe, I mean, this is an appropriate life verse for a year that's already started, uh, already is pretty bumpy, right? What, did they, what motivated them? What motivated them to do what they did, Elizabeth and Rachel? Well, they believed what Jesus said was true. And what Jesus said was this, Let's read this together. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will be, you know, there will my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Well, what was Jesus saying there? Was he saying you need to hate yourself? You you don't like the way you look. Hate yourself. Mistreat yourself. No, that's not what he was saying. He's saying that everything in your life needs to be a distant second to him. That if Jesus is who he claimed to be, then Jesus is life. And that's where life is found. Everything else is number two. It is a distant second. And and so Jim Elliott uh, coined his famous uh, quote that's been used by many missionaries. It was found in a journal that he kept, and he said this. He Listen, I won't have the words on the screen yet. It will come on later. Uh, He said this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Like, when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I said this either last week or the week before, on this side of eternity is the closest that you will ever come to experiencing hell. As bad as it can get, it's the closest that you will ever come to experiencing hell. And I said, for 80% of Wyoming, on this side of eternity is the closest they will ever come to experiencing heaven. Now think about the implications of that. And so, and, and, and so Jim, Elliot, said, you know, the reason why I'm going to go to the Wadani when nobody else has been able to reach them, and the reason why I can I do that confidently is because I know whatever may happen to me, if they take my life, it's only the beginning. Like for me, it's the beginning. Just like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when he stared at the gallows about to be hung, and the guard next to him said, I guess this is the end. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, No, yeah, for me, it's the beginning. And Jim Elliott said, What control do I have over my life? I mean, literally, what control do we have over our lives? I mean, that's why Jesus said, Well, how much time are you really going to be able to add to your life by worrying about what tomorrow will bring? Like you need to be wise and smart about how you live your life, but, but at the end of the day, we don't have a whole lot of say over how many days we have left. Right? Like Isaac Ashton, I shared his story last week. He got married on, on June of 2020. Found out he had leukemia in October of 2020, and this past week was his funeral. And Jesus said, you know, to his disciples, like I quote this often, he said, Some of you they will kill, but not a hair on your head will perish. Well, what did he mean by that? What he meant was that death is not, that has no claim of any victory over our lives. Like, I've lost count of how many funerals I've done. Most of the funerals I've officiated were funerals for people who believed in Jesus. Some of them were funerals of people who did not believe in Jesus. But for the funerals that I did of those who believed in Jesus, my, my statement to the families and the friends is that this grave, this, this casket, this is not death's victory dance. Like, death has no claim over the soul of a Christian or over, over a Christian. There's no victory there. And so Rachel and Elizabeth believed that. And that's why they're able to go into, into, this, into this region and interact with this dangerous tribe. Were they nervous and scared? Probably. I'm sure people ask, you know, how could you do that, Elizabeth? How could you take your three-year-old baby into this tribe and, and, and put her in harm's way? And I think she would say, well, there's a day coming. <laughs> there's a capital D, day coming. There's a day of judgment. Now, in our world... In our culture, most people believe, or a lot of people believe, well, there are many roads that will lead, you know, that will lead to God, right? So I, I told you about my disdain of cheesy Christian bumper stickers. I don't like them, right? But I equally don't like other cheesy bumper stickers, like coexist. Like, okay, what does that mean? Um, and, and so there's, <laughs> there is truth to the fact that all roads lead to God, All of them, except for one, lead to him as judge. Only one leads to him as Father or Savior. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Rachel and Elizabeth believe that. And they believe there's a day coming, a day of judgment. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 says this, just one chapter earlier, says, uh, let's read this together. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him or waiting for him. So this day that's coming for for the Christian, that's good news. Like, I'm longing for that day. I'm longing for the day when Jesus comes. You know why? Because when he comes, there will be no more sin that I'll have to deal with. There will be no more disease. There will be no more death. I hate death. Is anybody with me on that? Like, Death is an enemy. It's not something to be welcomed. It's the most unnatural experience in in all of God's creation. Did you know that? It's not natural. It's unnatural. It's a result of the fall. It's a result of sin that we experience death. We were made to live. We're designed to bear the image of God and to thrive. I hate death. The first funeral I did was my own father's. He was 47 years old. I'm 46, right? So it's like that's kind of real to me right now. Like I hate death. I hate disease. I hate that there are incurable diseases in the world that affect, you know, people that I know and affect people that I love. I hate disease. And so when I read in Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 25 that there's a day drawing near, For me, I'm like yes. I can't. I'm looking and longing for that day. I I can't wait. And we're reminded that that day is ever soon, you know, approaching. Um, For me, usually when I wake up in the morning, because my neck hurts or my or my body hurts or. Uh, i can 't stand on my feet because you know my heels bother me, like, like this body, the Bible says is breaking down, right? and some of you are like, oh yeah, that 's true. Some of you are twenty years old like that hasn 't happened yet. Just wait it's um, <laughs> it's, it 's coming. this body's breaking down, and this day is coming and and for this day, although it 's good news for the Christian uh, that Jesus is coming it 's not good news for eighty percent or more people who do not know. Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew 25. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now listen, Just <clears throat> I like MMA. I like combative sports. Uh, when goat is used in the Bible, that's not a good thing that doesn't mean you're the greatest um, at all, right? It's like you're on the other end of the spectrum. It's not going to go well for you. And so Jesus said to the sheep, and so when the word sheep is used in the Bible, that's a good thing. Here, uh, you know, in our culture, when we call somebody sheep, it's usually what? Especially uh, now, it's, it's bad. I hear it being used often. Um, Jesus will say on that day to the sheep, he, he will say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Who are the sheep? The sheep are the ones who follow the shepherd, Jesus. Who are the goats? They were the ones who didn't. And and they will stand before him, great and small, and Jesus will say, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Elizabeth and Rachel believed that that day was coming. And... um, and Elizabeth Elliot said this in reflecting upon her life. She said it in a talk that she gave because she was a world-renowned speaker after, after the events that, that wound up with her husband dying. She, um, she spoke at colleges and events and, and had a lifetime of ministry. It was written dozens of books. But she said this, nothing is worth living for if it is not worth dying for. Now, as you think about life, what is it in your life that you're holding on to that's worth dying for? What is it that's worth living for? The author of Hebrews, actually Hebrews is a sermon, by the way. It's not, it's not, a, it's a, it's not a letter, it's a sermon. And he wrote it uh, for Christians who were suffering. You know what was happening to those who received this letter? They were losing their homes because of their faith in Jesus. The property was being confiscated from them. They had family members who had written them off, ostracized them because of their faith in Jesus. And for some of them, their lives were being threatened because of their faith in Jesus. And you know what the, uh, the, you know, you know, the go-to response typically is when, when you're afraid to get away from you know, the threat? Uh, the fear, the, 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 what will happens sometimes with fear, and fear is a good emotion that God gave us, but sometimes fear, we can cave into our fear and cause us to do things God doesn't want us to do, like hide. Hide from a virus. To just kind of shield ourselves from, from, from a virus because we're afraid to get it. And the same thing was happening in the church here. My guess is uh, because their lives were being threatened, because the risk of being caught and losing their property and being found out by their family members, that there was a big price tag to that, you know what they were probably doing? Not meeting together. Those of you watching the live stream, time to come back. (laughs) Like, they weren't meeting together. And so the author of Hebrews says, look, the day is coming. So do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. And so there are three imperatives. Like, I am not a genius when it comes to Eng- the English language. In fact, some of you already know that, right? You, know, like you heard me say things like, he mispronounced that word, I think, and you were probably right. So he <laughs> but here it's important for me to tell you that there are three imperatives, three commands, three statements, and it's not a suggestion. It's not a, hey, this is a good idea. Maybe you should think about this. This is a, you need to do this kind of a statement. <clears throat> and there are three of them. The first is, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near to God, is what he said, the author is saying here, what the person writing this is saying. Let us draw near. It's not a suggestion. This is what you need to do. Hold on, hold on uh, with everything you got to, to who God is. And then the second one is let us hold... Fast. And the third is the confession of our hope without wavering for, who, for he who promised is faithful... And the third is, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. What is the operative word in all three of those verses? Say, say i only heard two people. Us, right? Us. <laughs> what does that mean? That means we're better together. Like we're made for community. How many of you have friends? How many of you wish you had friends? Because some of you didn't raise your hand. Like we can remedy that. I will be your friend We could have coffee together. And I mean that with all sincerity. You could pay. I'll pray. And (laughs) it will be good. Um, No, I'm joking. I could pay. It's fine. Uh, Let us. Let us consider. Let us do this. And when I read these three statements in verses 22, 23, and 24. I think verses 23 and 24 they'll let us hold fast the confession of our hope and they'll let us consider how to stir up one another. I think that's how you get to verse 22. How do you draw near to God? What's the best way to draw near to God? Well, holding fast the confession of your hope. You know, the confession of our hope is found in this book, the Bible, from Genesis through Revelation. That is the gospel. Not just And not only that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and on the third day rose from the grave, and he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. The gospel is that and so much more. The gospel is God's promise to remedy the curse of sin that plagues us. It is his promise that he's going to make all things new. It is his assurance that we are not going to wind up on a cloud somewhere playing a harp like in Tom and Jerry every time you know, anybody see Tom and Jerry? Like, okay. And then the rest of you are like, what's Tom and Jerry? Um, sorry. So, yeah, look it up. Google it. Uh, we will, th- th- what's waiting for us is new heaven, new earth. It is, it is a full, uh, resurrected, physical body that, 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 that will enjoy what it means to be fully human in every way. On a new heaven, new earth, where heaven and earth are together, like that's what's promised in the Bible. And all of the saints of God, from Genesis all the way through, you know, Adam and Eve, Seth, Noah, the prophets, the psalmists, David, um, you know, the apostles, those who contributed to the New Testament, all of them were longing for that day. And so, how do you get closer? How do you draw closer to God? Well holding on to the gospel. So my first point is simply this, that we must hold unswervingly to the gospel. Now, literally, uh, to to hold fast is to hold without wavering, to hold unswervingly. How many of you white-knuckled it over Laramie Pass at some point in your life before? Like, I didn't white-knuckle the steering wheel until I moved to Cheyenne. (laughs) Uh, Like, I don't know... Like, we didn't have, like, windy in Pennsylvania was 10 miles an hour. Like, that was windy. Um, when, when I, I think when I said yes, but it, wasn't, it didn't quite land here yet, I met with a group of pastors, and I think it was probably maybe 15 or 20 mile an hour winds outside, and I walked in to meet with these pastors and said, man, it's windy out there today. And like, no, it's not windy. Windy is, there's some log on a chain somewhere. I don't even know where it is. I've not even seen it. When it's blowing sideways, that's windy. Like, oh, okay, awesome. What did I get myself into? Like, well, I commuted for six months from Colorado to Cheyenne. I, whoever drew the state line did not like Wyoming. <laughs> like, They said, okay, the wind stops here. This is the end of Colorado. <laughs> Here's everybody else that lives in Wyoming. Have fun. Like, and so you've white knuckled it before, right? It's just like that's what Paul, or not Paul, the author of Hebrews, means here by hold fast to the gospel. Your your life depends on it; like it is life for you. That's what Rachel and Elizabeth did. Uh, when I, I mean, my favorite thing to do, and most of you know this already, I keep talking about it, is to ride my bicycle up a mountain and see how fast I can ride down the mountain. I love that. I love it when there are lots of turns and twists because it's just fun for me. So, But do you think when I'm riding my bike down like Lookout Mountain at 30 miles an hour, do you think I'm riding with one hand on my hand with my drop bars uh, and just like taking it easy? No, by the time I get down to the Lookout Mountain, my hands hurt, why? Because I'm holding on. Because <laughs> if I don't, what will happen? I will be like Superman over one of those bends, and it won't end well for me. Like, I will, it, it will end not well. So Paul said, hold on to the gospel, and let us hold unswervingly to the hope we perf- that we profess. And how do you do that? Recognize that the gospel is the gospel. It is the greatest news in the universe. Preach. Uh, so one theologian said this, that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves often. I need to. And you know how we encourage one another? By doing that for one another. Reminding each other of just what does it mean to be a Christian? Like for all of my series in, in Romans, I said over and over. I quoted a verse over and over again. Does anybody remember what that verse was? Nobody. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's preaching the gospel to your own heart. Um, so Paul says, hold fast. There's another, he uses that same word in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you what? Hold fast to the word that I preached to you. Hold fast. Hold in an you know, white knuckle the gospel. Your life depends upon it. Um, Why? Because Jesus Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That He was buried, and and that we that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The gospel means everything. It is everything. Um, Hebrews chapter 9 says this in verse 24, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. And then we are recipients of, uh, of the heavenly places. Where the heavenly places is heaven. It's the, heaven is heaven because of the presence of God is there. Heaven is not heaven because... Your grandmother or your best friend or your sibling or somebody you cared about is there. Heaven is heaven because everything that inhibits us to enjoy God fully and completely, like all those things that inhibit us now is removed and we get to enjoy God forever. That's what makes heaven heaven, whether it's in this other realm or eventually when God will merge heaven and earth as one place. Um, that's heaven, and so Jesus entered into. He says, entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, by, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. That's what we're holding on to, and and so as we hold on to it, we know, or we ought to know, that that story, that gospel, that news has the power to transform. Lives. I had in the first service, I had a 13-year-old kid in the service who's who's a skeptic, said, I don't, I don't really believe in in the God of the Bible. I'm not sure what I believe. And I and I and he just and he was being honest and he was being sincere. Super smart kid, super smart kid. And I got to interact with him and talk to him for a little bit uh, between services. You know, and I said <laughs> I said, God can handle your questions. I keep asking him. And I said, I used to be a skeptic just like you. Um, so keep asking your questions. So I, There's no question where God's up in heaven thinking, well, I didn't think of that one. Like, what do I do now? Like, that's not God. <laughs> he can handle our questions and he can handle our doubts. And so we hold on to the gospel because it is life, and we know that it has the power to transform lives and communities. And then we stir up one another to love and good works. That's the second thing. Well, how do you stir up one another for... To, to love and good works. We outdo one another in loving one another. That's why Jesus said, you know how the world's going to know you belong to me? By the way you love one another. What should that look like? Outdoing one another. Like, like working at, at just lavishing, uh, that's a good word, lavishing you know, the grace and mercy that you experienced as a result of believing in Jesus to, to, to extend that to those around you, you know Horizontally. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 let's read this together for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should what? walk in them What what were we prepared for? good works and how should we flesh that out? Walking in light of those good works, what does that look like? Outdoing one another. Um, I, when I was uh, a kid, my brother and I were uh, walking in. In Pennsylvania, you had you had trees like that's the one thing we miss in Cheyenne. <laughs> Luscious, full trees where fall lasted more than a week or two. Like it was, and we were in and we were in the woods and we were walking around. And it was summer and. Uh, Lo and behold, I stepped on a hornet's nest. And oh my goodness, I got stung like 14 times. Uh, my brother got stung uh, about the same amount of times, like, you know, like 12 or 13 times. It hurt. Uh, the picture, though, of those hornets being stirred uh, is how we ought to respond to one another, not to beat each other down, not to bring harm to one another, but to love one another. Look for ways to love one another. Uh, the, there are... Three ways that I I think that we can outdo one another um, to to do you know for love and, to do love and good deeds like to 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 encourage one another to to love and good works. There are three things that I think that that enable us to do that. You ready? Here here we go. And this is one complete package. This is not this is not like what used to be, and I so deeply miss the. Um, smorgasbord of food, you know, you can go in and just load up your plate. That's gone. I think it has gone forever. But that's not this in the Bible. You don't get to pick and choose. This is one package. Pray for one another. Pray for one another regularly. One way to stir up one another to love and good works is to pray for one another. Listen, when you pray for somebody and you commit that person to prayer something happens in your own life in terms of your affection for that person, your care for that person, your concern for that person. You know that? Like we're called over and over again, we're told in the Bible, to, lo- to not only love one another, but to pray for one another. Pray for one another. I, encu- this is, I know this, for some of you, you're, a lot of you are introverted, I think, um, and uh, I know this, this might be a, a hard challenge, but I, will, I encourage you that before you leave here today, Find somebody, if you really want to challenge, find somebody you don't know and just say, Hey, how can I pray for you this week? Ask them their name first, that, that would help. But then <laughs> how I challenged you. So like I said and you have an excuse now. You can be awkward now because I, I, I challenged you. So like I said, you should go to somebody you don't know, and you could just blame it on me. You, you heard what the pastor said, so I'm just I'm just following orders. No. But just find somebody to pray for it. Now, if, if you have a very difficult time and anxiety approaching somebody you don't know, then find somebody you do know, somebody you met a few times that, that's here, and ask, how can I pray for you? And then commit for, the, for this week to pray for that person. We need to be people who are praying for one another regularly. Next week, we'll have space in between the first service and the second service. You are now the second service. Um, Where there will be twenty-five minutes or so, where you'll be able to pray, where we'll be be able to pray together. Pray for one another. Second, seek to build up or uh, to—that's the develop piece—one another with the Word of God. Well, what what does that look like? You don't have to be a Bible scholar to read the Bible and have the the Word of God affect your life. Find somebody in your life—your spouse, your, your your kids, your neighbor, somebody you're friends with find somebody in your life and share with them how the word of God is impacting you like, well, like something you read in the bible hey i have a verse that's really been it really means a lot to me i want to share it with you it's kind of like what i did with ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 through 21 like i was really affected by this i'm like i want to share this with Meadowbrook. like this is a really great verse for us to make as our life verse find a, a verse and share share that with somebody the word of God should be central to everything that we do it is. I mean, you didn't show up today because you, you you don't because you think this has nothing good to say to you. Like, why would you come on a Sunday when you can be sleeping in and listen to some dude talk for forty or forty-five minutes if you didn't believe that there's something about this book that had something to say to you? And so, um, share the word of God with with uh, one another, and then thirdly, thirdly, engage one another with encouragement. Now. What does that look like? I think that looks mostly like listening. I, I tell my kids, because uh, I was reminded of this, that there's a reason why we have two ears and one mouth. Right? Like Job's friends and Job, they were great until they opened up their mouths. <laughs> and they decided to give Job a dissertation on why he was suffering. Um, they sh- should have just listened. And... <laughs> Like People pay good money to have somebody listen to them. They're called counselors and psychologists, right? And so find somebody in your life and just listen to that person, okay? Take them out for lunch or dinner, coffee, whatever. Uh, maybe you need to do that with your spouse. Just sit and listen and just say, hey, what's, what's going on in your life? And listen. And you'll be amazed by the fact that when you listen to somebody, you begin to learn how you can pray for them. And as you pray for them, God will lay on, lay on your heart maybe some scripture passages that you can share with that person to encourage their heart if you listen. And how do you do this? Together. That's why verse 25 is here. Do not neglect to meet together. Regardless of what's happening in the world and what technology is available, the Word of God is, is timeless timeless. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. But as you're together, encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Life is short. Life is short. And there's a day coming. Capital D Day. And and so let's live like we believe it. Let's pray for one another. Let's uh, build each other up. With, with the Word of God, through the Word of God, and is listening to listen to each other and engage one another as a way of encouraging each other. And what draws us together, what brings us together, is, is Jesus. Like this is the communion part. Um, there's nothing magical with this little goofy COVID safe container with a wafer that tastes like nothing. <laughs> and if I'm honest, and, and juice. Somebody described the juice like, it tastes like grape soda. <laughs> Somebody in the second service said that. Um, but it is a reminder of who Jesus is and what binds us together. You know, our relationship with Jesus uh, is, brings us together in a more binding way than the, the, rela- the biological relationship we have with our family members. Now, hopefully your family members are believers in Jesus. But what brings us together as the, bride of, as the bride of Christ, as the church, is Jesus. Jesus held up the bread. He was celebrating Passover with his disciples, and he held up the bread, and he said, This is my body. It's going to be broken for you. I am going to die in your place, and I'm going to secure your redemption as a result. This is, what, this is what brings us together. He said, every time you gather together, I want you to take this bread and eat it in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. i said this multiple times because I think we just need to be reminded of this. What binds us together is not our politics. That's like obvious in 2020, in 2021. Um... It's not our stance on vaccines or face masks. It is Jesus. Jesus held up the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. You know what he was saying? He said, look, I'm about to, I'm about to fulfill the promise that God had made to generations that, I, that he was going to uh, remove the heart of flesh or the heart of stone out of his people, give them a heart of flesh and put a new spirit in them. What he was saying was, I'm going to enable my people to love me like they were made to love me and to enjoy me as they were created to enjoy me. And, and the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to send my son. He's going to live the life that they can never live. He's going to die on, the, on a cross for, in their place under my wrath, a wrath they deserve. And on the third day, he's going to rise from the grave And then all who believe that are going to experience change in their lives. They're going to experience the ability to love God in a way they were not able to love him. That's how you explain two guys who murdered murdered some missionaries were able to hear the gospel, be transformed by it, and then later became leaders in the church and then baptized the children of the man that they murdered. That's what binds us together. Jesus said, when you come together, drink this cup in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. We exist to develop followers of Jesus who prayerfully engage their communities with the gospel. I am anticipating great things in 2021. I am. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, we believe that you're able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us, a power that is given to us through your Holy Spirit. He is indwelling us. He's empowering us. Use us in 2021 for your glory and for the good of Cheyenne. Bring us closer together as a church family like no like no other time. God, do a work through us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.